Did you know you can support your local independent bookstore and me in my efforts to promote books that feature women in aviation by shopping for your next aviatrix read on the Literary Aviatrix website? I built the website to serve as a central source to search and find books featuring women in aviation, and it was important to me to offer you the opportunity to buy from independent sellers. If the book you're interested in is available on bookshop.org, you'll find a link to purchase through my affiliate account on my website, which means I'll receive a small portion of the sale to support the content you love. Blue skies and happy reading. Hello and welcome. I'm Liz Booker, literary aviatrix, and I am excited to celebrate the launch of a new book, A Woman's Guide to Search and Rescue by Mary Carol Moore. Mary, welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Oh, I'm so excited to talk to you about this book. Uh, I hear that it's launching on October 24th. Is that right? It is. And it's already a bestseller on Amazon, which is like outrageous to me from pre-order. Nice work. Congratulations. That's really good. We want to talk about that a little bit more when we get into the writing portion of our conversation. Can you give us a synopsis of the book? Yeah, it's about a female aviator, which is, of course, a great topic for this program. And she's on the run from the law. She's framed for an attack and which becomes a murder that she didn't commit. And the only place she knows to go is her estranged sisters. So she takes her little plane and she tries to get to her estranged sisters and she crashes. She has a crash landing and has to recover from that and go on foot. And then the whole story is about the um, meeting her sister for the first time and the secrets about their past that unfold. So it's kind of a literary thriller in a sense that you combine the crime and the chase. There's search and rescue pilots in there and also this relationship that's very complex between the sisters. Oh, I'm so excited for this book. I cannot wait to read it. Of course, with my background as a former search and rescue helicopter pilot, I love the theme. Yeah, yeah. I was in the Coast Guard for 28 years and that was my job uh, for a about 12 years at that time. And so, yeah, I love uh, the themes of the book. Um, I also am a huge fan of when authors who are prolific as you are in other works and other genres bring that talent and their interest to aviation. So tell us about yourself and what brings you to the story. Well, my mom, really, um, she, I have her log book here. This is, she was a, a woman's air service pilot Air Force service pilot, and she got her license in 1940. Look at this. She got her license oh, in 1942, fantastic. and she was um, non-military at that time, although they got right. military status later. But she was one of the WASPs, and she grew. I grew up with this history of a woman pilot, my mom, who seemed very ordinary in every aspect of her life, and then she had this incredible history. For two years, she was in uh, the WASP. And you know probably that 20,000 women applied and only 1,000 got in. So she applied twice. She got in second time. And I always wanted to – she she was said she'd teach me to fly, but she had four kids and a full-time job, so that wasn't possible. But I always wanted to kind of delve into the mystery of her life as a pilot. And I have her WASP 
you know, books and all of her logbook and all that and stories that she's given me recorded on my phone. But I, I really wanted to search out what the wasps were all about. So my whole book is about um, what women pilots are, you know, what kind of strength and fortitude and, and unusual stamina it might take to become a woman pilot. So the uh, two main characters in my book are both pilots, one search and rescue, and the other is a stunt stunt flyer. So it's been fast, fabulous to kind of relive my mom's history writing the book. I absolutely I, love all of that so much. Oh, my goodness. Um, well, what was your mom's name, first of all? Her name is Betty. Betty... Betty. Hearts, Betty Hearts, Carol. Betty Hearts, Carol. Yeah, okay, well, Hearts, we honor Carol. her. We honor her. We thank you thank for you. her trailblazing. Um, especially uh, all of us female pilots um, honor the the WASP, but especially those of us in the military because they laid the groundwork for us to to come in and be successful and have careers. So we're very grateful to her for that. And what a wonderful way to grow up. Um, yeah, that's great. You know, we've read uh, several stories that that feature the WASP. And so, um, and we have one very prolific author who has written a lot about them, who I was fortunate to have the opportunity, Sarah Byrne Rickman, to interview. So she, she basically embedded herself with those ladies and became their friends and then just started writing about them, which yeah. is we're, we're grateful to her for that and grateful to you to, to, you know, bring your curiosity to our world. And, um, you know, that's one of the things like what you were saying, like, what does it take to be a female pilot? And, um, I like to talk about the books, over 600 books on the market that feature women in aviation. Now one more, thanks to you, um, that are human stories and they are stories of tenacity, adventure, and courage. And it sounds like you've got all that wrapped up into this book as well. Oh, my mom told me stories about dead sick landings at LaGuardia when her engine caught on fire and she got lost over West Point and had to have a military escort when she landed unofficially there. And, you know, she buzzed my grandmother's house when my dad and her were dating and he kept trying to change the radio to a jazz station. And she was like wanting to listen to the tower. And it was really fun. You know, hearing her stories made me just like crave that adventure. And it wasn't until I got to the, writing the book that I started taking pilot le- flying lessons and I'm hooked. So. Oh, yeah. Okay. So tell us about that. When did you start flying and, and how far along just, are you? Just recently. I don't have hardly any hours yet, but I'm just fascinated with the whole thing. And I found an airport nearby and an instructor. So I've started and I'm, I'm just, you know, we're in New Hampshire, so it's going to be cold, but he says that the air being heavier in winter and fall is better and you can learn better. I don't know. We'll see. But I just am, it's like so much to learn, you know, for you, you've done it for years, but for me, I, I looked at those dials and that little Cessna Aerobat and I went, oh my God, (laughs) you know, how am I going to learn this? And then my impression was that my mom, suddenly I understood a lot more about her. Because sitting in that pilot seat and actually um, imagining how she would have done all these things that she did as a wasp. And then she was so modest about it when we were growing up. It hardly ever came up in conversation. So I'm learning about her, you know. Yeah, that's a very familiar story, I think, um, among people who have relatives who are wasps. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Well, congratulations for jumping into it. And I hope that you enjoy it. It should be a challenge, um, mm-hmm. but also uh, gives you a real 
big sense of accomplishment when you start to master those skills. So good luck on that journey. Thank That's you. wonderful. I'm thinking also because I'm older and I, you know, I could have done this when I was younger, but I was working and I was raising my son and, you know, marriage and life and house and all that stuff. So now that I'm an empty nester and mm -hmm. I have um, the time, I, I think, do you think older women can learn how to be pilots? That's the big question I'm asking myself. So yes, they can. I'm, I yeah, know many. Okay. I good. know many. Yeah. Thank no, welcome to the community. You're in it now. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. So, but you have written so many other books. So what uh, we want to talk about writing like in more depth later, but just give us like an overview of your writing career. Sure. Um, when I was uh, 19, I lived in France for a year and I studied cooking there and I came home and lived in Arizona and I actually started teaching cooking classes and the local magazine, Arizona, you know, kind of Arizona life kind of magazine asked me to write a cooking column. And that was my first publication. And I did it every month. And then I opened a cooking school in California and I got asked to do um, cookbooks. And one of them won a huge award, Julia Child um, Award that year. And then I got into uh, writing a syndicated column for the LA Times Syndicate, which was in 86 newspapers around the country. So my food career, my food journalism was a big deal for me. It kept me going. It was my career, my, my job for many decades. And then I, I actually had breast cancer. And because of that, I had that moment that a lot of people go through when they have a life-threatening illness that they look at their life and they say, you know, have I done what I want to do with my life? And I realized what I really wanted to do was become a fiction writer. I'd always written stories and I'd loved it, but I knew that I had to go back to school to learn. And so I did. I went to grad school at age 50 and got my MFA. And I know you have an MFA too. So you know how that it's a big deal to do yeah. that. And then I started writing fiction and my first novel, which was called Qualities of Light, was published in 2009 and it was nominated for a Penn Faulkner Award and That's a amazing. couple other awards. So it's um, been fun. And this is my second novel now. So that's my, my career in like a little nutshell. That's amazing. So interesting. I, I want to hear so much more about the food stuff. We talk about that later. <laughs> I know that's so great. Yeah. So um, let's get into a little bit more about the book. So where is it set? Well, the book is set in the Adirondack Mountains of New York State, which is um, a pretty remote but beautiful area. My grandmother, another strong woman in my family, my mom's mom, actually owned a hiking camp for kids there for about 30 years. And I went every summer when I was between six and 16 for two months. Oh, I sent my yeah. eldest son to camp in the Adirondacks Thank for you. several years. Yeah. Cause I was on active duty in the military and I was moving around during his middle school and high school years. And so mm -hmm. what I did was I sent him to a camp in the Adirondacks so that every summer he had the same peer group because he wouldn't have sense. in the schools. Yeah. That's so it's great. That's beautiful up there. Oh, it's gorgeous. It's a, our second home. My family still has um, property there. But I, I'd wanted to write, I, I call them my Adirondack novels because I wrote the first one based in the Adirondacks also. And this one, I decided to have um, a sister, two estranged sisters, one of them living in the Adirondacks as a search and rescue pilot. The other one is an indie musician who lives in North Carolina, and she is framed for an attack, uh, which turns into a murder, as I said. 
and she runs. She has to flee. And her mother, who says, the only place you can run that nobody will find you is your, your sister's. You've never met her. She doesn't know about you even. Nobody knows she's exist- she exists. So she steals a plane, a little Cessna, and she flies into um, what turns out to be a storm, and she has to land, do an emergency landing. And in the process of emergency landing, she tears the fuselage, and she has to get out of the plane really fast because the avi- avionics flicker, you know, so there's a mm-hmm. short and then there's an explosion. And then she's on foot, um, somewhat injured, has to find her way to her sisters, and they reunite. And it's a very difficult relationship, you know, because one of them is the product of the legal marriage and the other is the product of an affair. So uh, I really wanted to, to work with a thriller aspect, the chase, the bad guy actually comes after her. The... Um, Search and rescue, because I'm fascinated with search and rescue. So that whole scenario is the thriller aspect. And then the relationship between the sisters, which is very complex with a lot of history, a lot of hurt, a lot of abandonment, you know, kind of how that would be getting healed. So mm-hmm. that was kind of the the basic, the gist of the novel. And how did you do your research for it? Ah, oh, that was hard. So when I, I first decided, I, I didn't actually have pilots in it at the beginning, the early drafts, but I'm fascinated with flying, you know, because of my mom. So I thought, well, why not? I'm going to, I'm going to see what I can learn. And we live across the street in New Hampshire from um, a search and rescue family. They, their dogs are search and rescue dogs. And, and so I learned a little bit about that. And I was like, oh, I, I've got to learn more about this. You know, how do people do it? And then, uh, one of my students, when I taught, um, writing classes was a flight instructor, a certified flight instructor. And so she said, I would help you with anything you need. I said, really? You know, so I would send her chapters and she would correct them. And she had a cohort of other flight instructors where she, she taught in Phoenix and they got together. They would get together and every week and talk about my scenes and my chapters. I couldn't (laughs) believe it. And I said, okay, I really want to have a crash scene where the plane explodes, but the pilot actually survives. How is that possible? So they went into all, you know, the carburetor, what, all these different things that could have happened. And they came up with a, a couple of scenarios and I tested them out in the chapter and ran it by my, my friend again. And she said, this works, this works. That's so great. Good for you. Know, you. It's, like, that's- it's a way it's amazing. I got help. You know, it's like, yeah. How do you write about something that you don't know about? That's the big question. A lot of people do, but uh, enormous amount of research, you know, because you want to get it right. And did I read that you said that this is a sequel to your first novel? Yeah, it's the same family, only four or five years later, I think, three or or four years later. Yeah. So there's some relationships that are continuing, but it's a standalone. So if people haven't read the first one, they can still enjoy this one. I wanted to make it completely separate, but I had a lot of fans from the first one. So I, yeah. I, they said, what happened to Molly? Who's one of the characters. So I, I made sure that Molly was in this one too. Okay. That's really fun. Yeah. And I was going to ask if this could be a standalone too. So yeah. that's great. Yeah, yeah. Good. Um, what else do you want to talk about, about the book? Oh, let's see. Well, I think that there's a couple of things that were important to me as a writer in working with this book. The first was was my mom to use Mm -hmm. the book, the story, the research as a way of getting to know her because she was so busy and so 
um, I don't know, World War II women sometimes and service women, they, they didn't want to talk about it anymore. You know, it was done. It's over. Yep. So you've run into this before. I, I think it was so fascinating to me and I wanted so much to talk to her about it, but she really did not have time for it. Even when she was very elderly and she had lots of time to talk, we, we didn't get into the flying as much except for certain stories. So part of my reason for writing this was to get to know her and imagine what it would be like to be in the pilot seat and imagine what it would be like to do some dangerous stuff that she did. Yeah. The other thing that was really important to me was I lost a sister when I was um, younger. My older sister, who was my idol, you know, when I was growing up, she was eight years older than me and she was beautiful and very fashionable and like everything I wanted to be. And she died early. And I felt like I never got to really know her or in the last years of her life, she was very difficult to be around. And it was hard for me because I really wanted to get close to her. And then when she passed, I felt like I had lost this huge opportunity. So I wanted to write a book about sisters that actually did get back together and did oh. find family with each other. So that was like a big part of my my need to write the book, to explore the sister relationship, which is very complicated. And I mean, for most people. And what would it be like if you had an, a second chance? You know, what, yeah. So that was my my kind of inner reason for writing the story about sisters. Well, I love that. I've, I've heard uh, several authors talk about writing, basically writing an alternate ending to, to yeah. something that happened for them, them in their lives. So mm -hmm. I think that that's a wonderful thing that we can do with our imaginations to help us process our, yeah. whatever has happened in our lives. So that's really special. Well, that's amazing. I'm, Mary, I'm so excited about this book. I am equally excited to have such a prolific and experienced writer and teacher. Um, so you have also been teaching. Do you Did you teach writing as well as cooking? Yeah, I stopped my food career. And then I first my first writing class that I taught was called Healing Through Writing because I was recovering from breast cancer and mm -hmm. uh, the surgery and the chemo and everything. And so I offered it as a benefit to a writing school that I taught at. And it sold out. Lots of people came. And it was um, amazing yeah. to me that so many people wanted to learn how to use writing for healing. And now mm -hmm. they're documented studies. The University of Texas has many studies about the whole idea that, you know, the process of writing a certain way um, can actually change the metabolism of the body, increase the healing capacity. So that was my first class that I ever taught. And then I went on to teach for about two more decades, um, both in person and online at different schools around the U.S. in Boston and in Wisconsin, Minnesota, some other places. So it's been mm -hmm. fascinating. I've traveled a lot to teach classes and loved it. Loved it. Well, we're so we're fortunate so to have you here. Tell us about your books that you've published. Okay. Uh, besides, um, the, besides the fiction, because I know you have one about writing, right? I do. Yeah. yeah. I have one called Your Book Starts Here. And that was born out of my first 10 years of teaching book structuring classes because the whole premise that I worked with was that people could use in, in for creating a book, they, they could use a structure tool called a storyboard, which is known mm -hmm. by filmmakers. And I started using it for my books. And I found that I could create these um, kind of small bits of a story and write them in random ways. Like I could start with chapter 15 or the end or whatever. I didn't have to go sequentially. 
And once I had the material, like a certain number of words, 30,000 is usually what people start with for, for this, you could actually arrange it now into a flow using a storyboard, a diagram. And so I taught this for years, and then I created my book, Your Book Starts Here, to teach people how to do that. And it's, um, it's done really well. It, a lot of people like it. So the whole storyboarding idea for, for fiction and, not, and nonfiction, too, has been fascinating to me to use. You know, I was given um, something similar by one of my advisors in um, the writing program that I did. It was very helpful. I think I need to revisit it because my novel has some issues that I haven't, I, you know, um, the creative process for me has been so interesting. Uh, I'm used to the military world where, you know, there's a problem or a mission and we have the tools to go solve it. And then we go solve it. And then it's done. <laughs> We're on to the next thing. That's not how the creative process works. <laughs> and I'm not sure I'm completely attuned to mine yet. Uh, but uh, all of this to say that I have a problem in my novel that I haven't been able to figure out. I've been letting it just marinate for now months. Yeah. You know, days turn into weeks, turn into months, and the problem has not magically come to me. So I'm going to get your book and I'm going <laughs> to dissect my story yeah. and see if I can solve the problems that way. <laughs> it's not a bad idea. You know, just there's there's tons of, of uh, tools out there for structure. I think that's one of the yeah. things the creative life can lack, that people think yeah. it's just a free form you just sit down and write and it all comes together and it never does to me. So I've always had to do that reform writing, that flow writing, and then pause and go back and analyze it for structure. And then the yeah. structure can kind of provide a roadmap or a visual map for where you're going. You can know, am I still writing the book I started out writing or is it a completely different book now? So yeah, then that's you can great. back to the flow after that. That is so great. Yeah, and then you. what else? Any other books that you've published that we haven't talked about yet? Well, a lot of food books. Um, yeah. I've I've written just um, maybe eleven or twelve food books. So those are those are <laughs> the main. Yeah, I know, I know. But it was my career for a long time. I get hired by oh, I don't know, Rodale Press, you know, who does Prevention Magazine, and they had a series of books they wanted somebody to write. So that happened pretty effortlessly for a long time, and. Basically, I lived off of that. So that was great. Like commission work. Yeah, it was commission work a lot of times. And mm -hmm. then I proposed, I had an agent, and I proposed a couple of titles and they got sold. So um, I've been mostly in the healthy cooking area, the, you know, using organic or healthy or natural methods for cooking and still making it taste really good because I, I wrote for food and wine for a while, that magazine and things like that. So yeah, I just um, I had a long and happy career as a food journalist, and then I stopped. Yeah, I didn't want to smell like garlic anymore. I think it was going back to what you said about writing being healing or using writing to heal. That's one of the things that I talk about um, because, uh, frankly, there are a lot of women in um, our community who. Uh, I would, I would just say that we're traumatized by their experiences, um, you know, in the male dominated field and, uh, especially our earlier women who they, they were not treated well. Um, and so a lot of the ones who have decided to write their stories 
definitely have shared how healing that has been, that process has been for them. The writing, the getting the story out in the world and talking about it kind of diminishes its power a little bit. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so the, the part of the thing that I'm doing here is encouraging other women in aviation to tell their stories and giving them the tools to do it well. Um, and so talking to authors like you who have advice about how to do that, just encouraging them. And I'm all, I, I'm always so stoked. Like, uh, at one of our conferences, I had a lady fellow Coast Guard pilot come up to me and say, she almost whispered it and she said, I've been writing. <laughs> Like, oh, good, good for you. And she was like, and it's so cathartic. And I was like, exactly. And then she said, nobody's ever going to see it. And I was like, well, just hold that thought. <laughs> maybe, maybe later they'll see it. But I just love to hear that from people because, um, yeah, when you can find. I, I agree. Mm, yeah. I've seen so much transformation when people actually start writing about the things that happen to them. And they say that there's like, <clears throat> excuse me, aspects of the most cathartic process of writing is that you actually describe the details of what happened. And then you talk about what you felt then and what you feel now. So it's three parts. And that's not my theory. It's Penny, James Pennebaker from the University of Texas. But the idea that the three parts come together. And when I used to teach this, I found that people that did one of the parts say they wrote about how they felt then and the details, but they didn't compare it to how they felt now. The healing didn't actually happen as strongly. And it's it's kind of cool to watch that. So I taught that for a number of years to see if I could share with people that those three parts are really valuable. So do you I, have I a book that. about that? Well, I, I'd be copying because that's not my idea. But I, okay. I have written I have a um, newsletter on Substack that I write every week. And in okay. there are a lot of materials that I use for my teaching, such as the healing through writing ideas. So, okay. you know, if anybody's interested, they it's free. They can follow me there and get the, great. get the, they just find you with your name, Mary Carol Moore. Yeah. I think it's Mary Carol Moore at dot substack.com or something like that. But I, okay. I feel like, or my website, Mary they can look there and they, there's a, a sign up form for the newsletter. The idea is that, you know, that these materials are out there and if you know about them and you can use them in your life, it can make your life a lot easier. Yeah. The healing, yeah. you know, the healing can happen. Yeah. No, that's great advice. So you have this book coming out. Um, I'm super excited about how you came to me. Um, so you are working with an agency and, and this is just thinking about tools for authors who are marketing their work. You are working with this agency who helps you get, they basically set you up on a book podcast tour. They do. And they did a very good job, I think, finding me because I can't think of a better audience <laughs> All right. for you to engage with. So that was so exciting. Tell, tell me about that and what else you're doing to market this book yeah. now that it's published. Well, I, I feel like um, I'm a newbie at this whole thing about marketing, even though I've published a lot. Um, my books mostly have been, um, I don't know, I'd say slow burners. That's a great one. I like that. You know, my, like my books, your book starts here has been around for 12 years and That's it's great. still selling really well, but I didn't do a whole lot to promote it. I just put it out there. 
This one I decided I really wanted the message of women and women's strength and the idea of pilots and the, the strength that I saw in my mom to be out there in the world. Because right now the world needs it, my God. We need all the hope and the strength that we can get in realistic yeah. ways, you know, not hope, not like a uh, sentimental, yeah. but really realistic. These are women that fight for their survival and they do well and they reunite with their family. They find their family. So I really wanted that out there. And I thought, okay, what can I do? So I, I decided there were several things I've learned um, about marketing a book that weren't actually, there weren't things that people did when I did my last book. So it's completely right. new. And one of them is podcasts. So I, I researched a lot until I found Michelle, who's the woman who is, you know, her husband is a pilot and she's into aviation and all that. So that's very cool. And um, she loved my book. And so we, we decided to work together. That was one thing. And then another person that I hired was, I don't know if you know that there's a bloggers, Instagram bloggers that talk about books, bookstagrammers, they're called. Bookstagrammers, yes. Bookstagrammers, I know. So this is stuff that I didn't know at all. So last April, someone, uh, one of my students introduced me to someone who does tours on Instagram, book blogger tours. And evidently that's pretty common. So I went ahead, I said, okay, I'm going to try this. And that is when my book became a bestseller because the 18 people who have something like, you know, 54,000 followers yeah. posted my book cover on their Instagram feeds and um, where to get it. And suddenly the Amazon ratings just went through the ceiling. So I thought this is really good. <laughs> i, I I don't know who knows about this, but you got to you got to try it if you're an, a new author because it's really fa fabulous. So the podcast tour and the book, I have a hard time even saying it, bookstagrammer tour are the two <laughs> things that I found have been really effective for getting the word out to people that I wouldn't ordinarily talk to. That's great news. And, yeah. you know. Yeah, I think it's really hard. Um, you know, I've had a publicist on here who she primarily does like media, like um, like traditional media, public publicist stuff, like gets people on radio shows and morning shows and and that kind of stuff. Um, but when talking to her and 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 even in my own efforts to promote like my website or my podcast or whatever, it's often very difficult to figure out what is working and yeah. how it's working. You know, like we're, it's hard to get metrics on mm -hmm. um, the immediate effect of anything that you do out there. And so for you to see that jump and to know oh. that it's working, that's great news. And it's good for all of us to understand too. That's so, that's so yeah. cool. I didn't, yeah. I would never have expected it. Uh, Liz, I, I was just kind of like blown away. A friend of mine, who is another author, she just happened to be on my Amazon page and she checked the ratings and she sent me this email. It was Sunday morning. She said, you are a hot new release. <laughs> so I was like, Perfect. what is that? <laughs> she actually had to tell me and I, she said, you're number five on the hot new releases and um, here's the page and all this stuff. So oh, that's I was, great. I was kind of like, well, it, what it means is that the topic for me, the top, the cover, which I'll show you here. The cover of the book appealed to people online. I mean, yeah. some somehow it just resonated with people. And then the idea that it's about a female aviator and an estranged family 
I don't know. Maybe it all clicked. And so there's a lot now. See, I think there's a lot going on in your title. Um, A woman's guide to search and rescue. I just, I I think that there's so much in that, um, that is appealing, you know? Yeah. Well, it's one of the reviewers, I got some not really nice trade reviews too. And one of the reviewers said, this is a metaphor for the family. Yes. It's about search and rescue. Yes. It's about, you know, pilots going in and searching a crime scene and crashed airplane and all that. But it's really about the search and rescue that happens inside. And it's about these people, these two sisters trying to search for their family. They've both been abandoned, you know, in, in ways that they don't know how to heal from. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. Yeah, I can see that. And, and another thing that, um, my publicist friend who, who did a show with me, uh, shared was that pre-orders are so important to position you for other potential bestseller lists. So the fact that you're getting all the, all this action on Amazon before the book, uh, releases is wonderful for you. I hope it just explodes in the world and everybody reads it because we want them to come to the rest of our stories. So we'll (laughs) hope that they, you know, you pique their interest and they, you know, want to come check out some other books uh, by and about women in aviation. I hope so too. I think it's a fascinating topic. I mean, I'm personally just thrilled, completely thrilled to be writing about it. Yeah. So you went from being a nonfiction writer to a fiction writer. What advice do you have for anyone who wants to get into writing and they haven't ever done it before or they're beginning fiction writing? What's your advice? Well, for me, it was like learning a new language. I was a professional writer. You know, I'd been published a lot and I thought, oh, this will be a piece of cake. You know, I'll just work right into the fiction world. And it wasn't. I had to learn it completely anew. It was, um, I'm glad I went back to school because I needed to understand my tendencies as a writer and how that applied to the fiction genre. I I needed to learn how to plot things. I needed to learn how to not deliver information like I had always done with my food columns. Mm -hmm. And I, my lyrical nature, which is um, partly from writing food, you know, it's so sensual, you taste and you smell. And so you learn as a food writer, how to write about the textures and the sauce and everything like that. And I took that right into fiction writing, thinking it would be great. And I remember my instructors in my program taking their red pen and going, X, X, you know, huge pages of description completely gone because I I was too lyrical. I was too, my tendency and my love for that was too strong. So I had to learn to balance my tendencies. And I don't think I could have done that without, the instruction I got and the reading I did. So I started, I think my biggest suggestion would be to um, take classes. There's lots of great online classes out there. Uh, Very strong schools, like I'd say Grub Street in Boston or the Loft Literary Center in Minneapolis. Madeline Island School of the Arts in Wisconsin is wonderful. There's so many great writing schools that you yeah, can Yeah, there's writers in San Diego that one of our writers is a part of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. In Washington, D.C., they have a really good one. So there's a lot of really good places if you can kind of humble yourself and be a beginner again, like I had to. And you can take classes from somebody that knows and just try to, to open yourself to the language of the writing and the world of the writing, which is probably something you may not be skilled at or familiar with. And then read, 
read as much as you can in the genre that you're writing in. So mm -hmm. that's how I learned a little bit about thrillers and because that's not my nature is not necessarily yeah. the thriller writer, but that was real helpful to me. Well, that's all great advice. Mary, is there anything else you wanted to share before we wrap things up? I've really enjoyed talking to you. I, I follow you on your social media and I've always been interested in all the amazing things that in your, your um, history as a pilot and all that. So it's been a real honor to talk to you today, Liz. Oh, same for me, Mary. I'm, and again, so grateful that you brought your writing expertise and your, your passion for your mom and her history to our canon and contributed with this really great book that'll be out on October 24th. Yes. But you can pre-order it now. And where can we find you? Well, you can go with my website, marycarolmore.com. That's a great place to go. But if you go, you know, Amazon and just put in a woman's guide to search and rescue, you'll get it. Goodreads yep. is another place to look. There's lots of places that it's now available. Barnes and Noble, um, bookshop.org. So pretty, yep. pretty much all the online stores will have it and their pre-orders are available. There's an audio book, which is fabulous. The narrator is so good. Oh, congrats. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. She'll, that'll be out on Audible and all the other um, Spotify, everything like that. I love how she, she, I was in tears when I heard her read the book. She's so good. So oh, anyway, I really man, recommend that. That has to be a great feeling as an author. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's like, it's real. <laughs> That's amazing. Congratulations. Thank well, good you. luck with the book. I think Thanks. we'll be seeing more of you. I'm guessing because I'm so excited about this book. I can't see not doing it in the book club. So Thank we'll you. see if it comes out on next year's list or the one after because we, we have so many books to choose from and only 12 months in a year, but I'm so excited about it. And uh, you can also find it on the Literary Aviatrix website. Um, I will be adding the links to bookshop.org because I want people to also have the option to buy from independent booksellers. I've been exclusively an Amazon affiliate for a long time and I wanted to give people uh, other choices, but that Amazon pre-order thing is real. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it helps me out. So if you, if you have any interest in, I'll be doing a Goodreads giveaway too um, in the early part of October. So you might get some free signed copies that way if you want to participate. Absolutely. We'll follow you on Goodreads and all the places. Thank you so much, Mary. Thank you, Liz. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks so much for listening. As I mentioned, you can find Mary's book along with over 600 other books on the market featuring women in aviation at the Literary Aviatrix website. I'll be slowly adding bookshop.org links for you to give you options. It's an affiliate site where I receive a small portion of the proceeds at no cost to you. So thank you for your support by shopping through the Literary Aviatrix website. I'd like to thank Michael Wilds of Massive and Crew for his help in producing this interview and for his creative and technical support of all things Literary Aviatrix. Blue skies and happy reading. Yay!